How, how was everybody's week? Good? Yeah? Productive? Awesome? Awesome? Effective? Yeah? Good? Good. All right. Well, so was mine. Busy? Busy? Yeah, I, I think that's another one. So he, here's my, my plan is today is I, I don't want to make life any more busier. I think that I, what I want to do is I want to focus on everything that we're, we're, we do in our life has purpose and it has plan. Um, and it's not just our purpose and our plan, but God has purpose and God has plan for us. Um, so if you have a Bible, turn to uh, Luke chapter 7. We are finally getting back into our Luke series. It's not really a series. It's more of a marathon, I guess. Um, it's kind of like the, the, the Star War, Wars legacy. So they do a little bit here, and then you know, 20 years later, they get back to uh, filling in a little bit more. I'm not a Star Wars guy, but I, I've, I've heard about that. Um, so we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 7. Uh, and what I want to do is I just want to spend a few minutes looking at um, this story that, that uh, Dr. Luke gives us here about uh, the this, this centurion. And, and what I want us to do, and if you're taking notes, you, you, can, um, you can write these two certainties down. Uh, we're going to hit two certainties, and if you're wondering, okay, what, what do you mean these certainties? Well, to, to bring you up to speed, um, the, the, the doctor here, Dr. Luke, yes, he was a doctor, um, he wrote this letter, this gospel, to a, uh, a man named Theophilus, and he writes this letter to uh, Theophilus, this account, so uh, that um, uh, he, he states in, 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 the fir- in the opening, in the beginning, that so that you may be certain about the things in which you have been taught. So what we've been doing as we've been going through the, the gospel of Luke is just we've been pointing out different certainties that we can see, because there's a lot lot of things that we hear and some things that we've even been taught in the past that um, when it comes to uh, church or it comes to faith, it comes to the Bible that we're, we're, we're not too certain on. The only thing we're certain is we were told that, that this is what we're supposed to do or this is what we're supposed to say, but we don't know why. So, uh, you know, this, this long drawn out marathon is, is on the lines of identifying some certainties that we can apply to our life and, and, and um, that way we can focus clearly on what God has for our lives. So the two certainties that we're going um, to look at today is, uh, the first one is, what you do matters. What you do matters. And there's going to, I'm going to expound on that a little bit. Um, But then the second certainty that we're going to look at is, faith influences faith. Faith influences faith. So with that, those two certainties, we're going to open uh, again, Luke chapter 7, and we're going to read verse 1 through 10, and then we're just going to talk about it. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now, who's he? Jesus. There we go. You've got an A on your pop quiz so far. Now, a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when, he, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. 
Therefore, I, do not, I, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man who sat under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. I like this story because it, this kind of puts in our face um, the, uh, the reality of faith. And before we get into that, let's get a little bit of, of background or kind of a little bit of a context of what's going on. Um, so Jesus, he, he comes into Capernaum. We know that Jesus has done and will do a lot in this town of Capernaum. He'll actually set up shop or camp, whatever you want to call it, in Capernaum. It'll kind of be his like, headquarters town in which he's going to uh, do a lot of things in. So it says here that as he comes into town, and remember, he just got done um, giving the, the, the sermon on the, the, the plain or the sermon on the mount, and he gave a lot of, of um, uh, instruction on how to uh, live and what, what, what things and how a disciple is supposed to live, a, a believer um, in God is supposed to, to live their life. And it says, after he's saying all these things, he comes into the town. And I love how when he comes into this town, the first person that, that, that Dr. Luke here identifies as Jesus encountering um, is, is someone that is not a Jew. He's, he's, he's not a Jewish person. It says here that the centurion, now I get it. Now you're thinking, well, they the, sent the Jewish elders. Hold on here for a second. The centurion, he heard about what was going on, and he heard about what Jesus was doing. And the centurion said, you know what? I got a problem, and I need it fixed. Now, we, we see this, and we're like, okay, it's in the Bible. Yeah, we can gloss over this real quick, or we can look at, at, at the context of what's going on. A centurion was not a, a, a Jewish person. He was not a, a, um, a, an ethnic Jew. He did not have the heritage behind him. He was not one of God's chosen people. He was actually part of the enemy of God's chosen people. A centurion was a, a Roman officer um, that was in charge of between 80 and 100 uh, Roman soldiers. Now, what the Romans were doing at this time was they were oppressing the Jewish people. So when we, when we look at this, we, we see that this, this, this uh, Roman officer who was in charge of, of, of uh, part of the army that was oppressing the, the Jewish people actually had some type of ties with the Jewish people. So we can get kind of like befuddled a little bit if we're, if we're not careful here. We can see that, well, there's some kind of ties here because when um, he hears about Jesus coming in, uh, because it was, it was being tweeted all over the place, people were blowing up Facebook talking about this guy who uh, was, was healing the, the, the lame and, uh, you know, the, the dead were, were raising and uh, the captives were set free. Uh, so when, when the centurion heard about this, he sends, it says here um, in, in verse... Um, Three, it says that he sent to him, sent to Jesus, these Jewish elders. 
And we could think, well, wait a second, well, what's going on here? Because uh, the, 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 the Romans were the enemies of the Jews, but there's some kind of tie here. Well, we know why there's a tie here, because these Jewish elders had a little bit, uh, they, uh, they were benefiting from the centurion. The centurion is the one who built the synagogue in Capernaum. So they had a little bit of vested interest in this. They had a little bit of, there was a little bit of relation that was going on here. Um, but even the Jewish elders did not believe in who Jesus claimed he was and who Jesus is. So what they were doing is they were, okay, um, we'll call him Clovis. The centurion, we'll call him Clovis. It's better than Cletus. Um, but, uh, but we'll say that Clovis uh, said, okay, hey, um, I want you to go to, to the, this miracle worker uh, and, and, and get some help. And I'm sure, it doesn't say this, this is my own conjecture. They're probably like, what do you want us to do? You want us to do what? You want us to go, that guy, do you realize what that guy's all about? And he's like, yeah, but do you remember who uh, built your synagogue? You owe me. I'm not saying that that is what he said, but there, I'm sure that there was some type of, of um, uh, dialogue that, that, that took place there. Does it have anything to do with, with um, the, the story? Yeah, I think so, a little bit. Because what we see is the centurion Clovis, he was in a, uh, and please remember, I'm the one that gave him the name Clovis. I'm not trying to insert anything into the Bible. So Clovis here, um, he, he, he was faced with a problem. And even though he wasn't a, um, a, a, an ethnic Jew, or even though he didn't have this faith in God, he's still, uh, over the, what he's been uh, taught or what he has heard about Jesus, he knew or he, he had some kind of um, uh, desire to say, okay, I'm, I'm in a predicament and I, that I cannot do anything about. I can't, I, I'm not the one that's going to be able to heal this guy. I need to go somewhere that they can. Or to, who, to, to whom can so he goes and he sends his, his people to, uh, to Jesus. Now, it says that, that um, when encountered, Jesus uh, he turns and, and goes to, to the house. It says then, as Jesus is going to the house, the friends uh, of Clovis come um, out and uh, say, hey, it's, it's too late, or it, it's, it's, it's not, uh, or excuse me, it's too late, you know, and Clovis said, you know, I would have come to you myself, but um, I'm just unworthy. Which is interesting to me because the Jewish, uh, the Jewish elders here made it sound like to Jesus that this guy was very worthy. But when Clovis sends his people to Jesus, when he sends his friends to Jesus, he says, no, I'm not worthy for you to come underneath my roof. He says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. I, I think that it can be, that can be very subtle. Sometimes the Bible is very subtle in, in um, the impact in which it has. Clovis not being, a centurion here, not being a, a, a follower of Jesus Christ, he still knew that there was power in the words of Christ. He, he, he knew that there was something that was, in, that was going on in his life that needed to be addressed, and he didn't have the answers to, but he knew that he needed to go to someone who did have the answers. Now, the, the first thing that, that I, I said, um, as far as the certainty, what you do matters. I think that this is very important, especially in this story in which we see here. I, I know that um, in my life there's been times that uh, I'm 
kind of going through the grind, going through motions, going through just daily life, and I ask this question, what, is, what, why, what am I doing? What, what am I doing all this for? Do I really have meaning? Do I really have purpose? Well, if we, if we ask that question, it means we're, you know, we're real. We want answers. But I think that that, that same question may have been on the, 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 the mind of the, the servant of the centurion. Think about this for a second. The servant of, of, of the centurion is the one who is sick. The centurion wasn't sick. The servant was sick. Now, the, the servant, if we understand servitude in those days, was not the most glorious job. They, they didn't have the um, equal rights and, and um, equal opportunity employers and uh, labor laws and everything that was in place that we have today. So the, the, the servant that had this role, that took this role of being under this Roman, um, Roman uh, centurion, probably didn't have the best of life, but nonetheless he had a life. And nonetheless, he was someone that, I mean, he, was, he was real. So maybe he had the question every now and then when, when Clovis is saying, hey, go, go fetch me my slippers or wash my feet or go do the laundry or whatever it may be. He, he could have the thought of, now what am I doing all this for? Sometimes we get in that. The, the everyday grind. Why am I going to work? Why am I getting up in the morning to take care of the kids? Why am I uh, going to this job? Or why am I going to that job? Why, 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 why? I'm, 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 I, maybe it's just me that has that question sometimes. But I think if we, we really stop and we think, I, I think that we all have that question sooner or later. I mean, what is all this for? Well, I, I think that one instance we can see that, that, that what this is all for is what you do matters. What the servant did matters immensely in God's plan. The smallest of thing, fetching Clovis' slippers or making Clovis' dinner, whatever it was, the, the smallest of thing the servant excelled the best at. Why, why do I say that? Well, it, it, it says here that he has... Um, now a centurion, verse 2, now a centurion who had a servant who was sick at the point of death who was highly valued by him. Understanding that servants were a dime a dozen during that time. You lose a servant, up, oh, you go down to the, the slave market, grab another one, and can bring, it, bring him in and, and fill that role. But this servant that Clovis had, that the centurion had, the, the, the servant was highly valued, was highly valued by him. Why was he highly valued? We don't know why he was highly valued. We just know that he was highly valued. Understanding that, that, that the role in which a servant had was not the glorious role, I'm sure that, the, that, he, we, that he had those thoughts of like, why am I doing this? But even though he had those thoughts of why am I doing this, this di it did not diminish the importance of his role. He did everything that he could do to the best of his ability. There's a, that, 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 one of my favorite Greek words is spadazo. Spadazo means do your best. 
It doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. We're called to do our best. Colossians uh, 3.23, flip there real quick. I, I think this um, goes along with exactly what we're, we're talking about here. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Just, just think about that for a second. In, in whatever occupation it is that you have. Now, when I say occupation, it's okay. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad or, or that, whatever. Whatever occupation it is, that's part of the whatever you do. Maybe you're a student. You go to school. Okay, that's your job. Whatever you do, work heartily unto the Lord. So when we ask the question that, that, that presents us some time of, okay, what am I doing this for? You're doing this because you have been gifted by God to do this. I'm convinced of this, that everybody in here is gifted by God to do something for his service. There are different things that, that people are gifted with. I think that the running joke is I am not gifted with carpentry skills. I teach of a carpenter, I am not one, Okay. But different people are gifted with different things for the service of the kingdom of God. Now, if, if this servant of, of the centurion, if Clovis' servant here would have said, you know, it doesn't really matter if I just kind of take my time and go get his slippers or if I take my time and I, or I burn the cookies that are baking in, in the oven or whatever it may be. If he would say, it doesn't really matter what do you think the outcome would have, would have been when he got sick? Clovis would have just been like, I'll just go get another one. But he had high value in him. And because of what he did, because he worked not for himself. Now, I'm not going to imply that this servant was a, a God fear. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I think the, the, the lesson in which we can learn is what you do matters because what you do influences other people. Look at the web, look at the web that was, that was woven because of the faithfulness of this servant. All right, just, just bear with me for a second. So what we have is we have this servant who was, who was faithful to the centurion and he got sick. So we have the servant, now we have the centurion. All right, so because of the sickness, the centurion now said, okay, I want this because of the faithfulness of the, of the servant. I want him to get better. I can't do it on my own. I need to go somewhere else to do this. Now comes into the, the, the picture another group of people, the, the Jewish elders. So now we, we look at, we have the, the sickness of the servant now uh, and his faithfulness. Now we have the centurion. Now there's another you know, leg to it or another connection to the, the elders, the Jewish elders going out to Jesus. Now what we have is Jesus coming to the house to uh, um, address this situation. And then we have the friends coming from the house Coming out saying, okay, wait a second, uh, um, you know, Clovis said he's not worthy for you to come under, the, uh, under his roof. All you got to do is say the word. So now we have a, a, another group here. So we have the servant, we have the centurion, we have the elders, and we have the friends. This web that has been weaved all because of the faithfulness of the servant. 
Now look at it a little bit further. Obviously, in this mix, Jesus is in here. So we have God stepping in. Look at what takes place when Jesus comes and when he encounters the faithfulness of the centurion. Look with me. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd, oh, wait a second. So we have, this, we have the, the servant, we have the centurion, we've got the elders, we've got the friends. Now we've got a crowd that's involved. What's, what's happening here? Well, it says that he turned, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Just, just humor me for a second and think about this. All because some dude got a sniffly nose that turned into something a little bit more difficult because of a sickness in which he, that, that, that he had, this servant, this crowd of people is going to hear a truth coming directly from the lips of Jesus. Tell me what you do doesn't matter. I, I don't care if, it's, if, if, you, if you wipe baby's butts. Hey, you, you never know. I mean, that baby might not get a rash because you wipe its butt, and because it doesn't get a rash, you, I mean, it, it's, it'll go on and on and on and on from there. I like to look at it like this, the farmer. We were out at Marty's uh, picking beans, and we were out looking. I was watching Marty pick beans, uh, um, and, and, and I've had this thought, like, Marty doesn't really know the impact in which he's having, and none of us really know maybe the impact in which we're having. So maybe the soybeans in which Marty is picking, it's going to be, so you have this crop that's going to be then taken and processed into, I don't know, soybean burger patties, okay, whatever it may be. Well, these soybean burger patties may be what, that are distributed to a school or an orphanage or something that's going to feed this little girl and give her the strength so she's not focusing on being hungry, but she can focus on an education. And then because she can have an education, she grows up to be a doctor. And because she grows up to be a doctor, she she comes up with and um, it finds the cure for cancer. All because Marty's ride, riding around in his, you know, combine picking soybeans. We don't always know the outcome. But what we need to do is we need to, you've heard me say this a hundred times before, we need to be faithful in the smalls. This servant was, was faithful in getting the slippers for, for Clovis. Because he was faithful in doing this, and because that the, the, the he, he was doing what it is that, that, that obviously that he was put on this earth to do. Granted, we can look at this and like, man, that's not a very uh, uh, um, uh, glamorous role. No, the, the most impact mo most of the time is not the most glamorous job. <laughs> this guy had the most impact because he was bringing coffee and donuts to the centurion when he wanted it but he was doing it faithfully. It was because of his, faith, uh, his faithfulness that produced faith in others. Why do I say that? Well, I, I look at this, and that's where the, the, second, um, the second certainty comes in. Faith influences faith. 
When we think that our faith is just for us, it's a personal thing between me and God. Okay, yes, it is personal between you and God, but it's not private. Faith is to be public. Our faith is to be, uh, to be seen by others. Why? Because your faith can influence someone else having faith. Well, I don't... I don't really have strong faith. It's not up to you to determine the strength or, 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 or uh, the impact of your faith. The centurion probably wasn't thinking about his faith in, the, in Jesus. He was, what he was thinking about was this man who's a miracle worker taking care of the problem in which he has. Too many times what we do is we minimize our, our effectiveness or we minimize our faith. What we need to do is we need to maximize our God. Saying, okay, my, my faith is in him. I, I, what I need to do is I need to be faithful in the smalls. Whatever it is, if I'm wiping butts or if I'm you know, teaching at school or if I'm uh, wiring a house or, or um, I, I don't know, whatever it is y'all do. Whatever you do, we're to work hardly as we're working unto the Lord. Why should we work as we're working unto the Lord? Because it's God who's gifted you with those talents and those abilities. Because when we ask the question, what am I doing this for? You're doing this because God has given you the opportunity to do it. Why do I need to do this? Because he's got a greater plan. You don't even know who you're impacting. You don't even know who you're influencing. You don't even know who's going to be standing in heaven greeting you or, waiting, or coming into heaven waiting to be greeted by you because of the faithful, your faithfulness. When you're faithful in the small things. Everybody wants, I don't say everybody, people think you've got to be a Billy Graham to, to make a huge impact in the faith. No, 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 you don't. Your name doesn't even need to be known. What you need to do is your faith needs to be seen. And that's what we see here. We don't really know the centurion's name. We don't know the servant's name. We can see that, though, that this faith had something that was different. There was, there was something different about the actions of this, of this man. Haley and I, uh, we, we, we love... There's a, a stupid commercial, stupid Dr. Pepper commercial that always comes on during uh, college football. Some of you may, may have seen the, the, this uh, stupid Dr. Pepper commercial. But uh, every time we see it, my, my wife's already up here rolling her eyes because Haley and I, we, we giggle every time. So this, this commercial, and, and after I say this, you'll have to go and Google it or whatever. Uh, the, the commercial is a Dr. Pepper commercial. We know that the, the guy from Dr. Pepper, uh, he uh, invented the whole college football uh, were, uh, playoff and everything. That guy. The dude that has the awesome flip shade glasses and he carries a Dr. Pepper uh, thing around his neck. Well, the commercial in particular is the one where it has like flashbacks like uh, of him in like the, the 70s and him in the 60s and him in the 50s. And he's telling this, this story about how Dr. Pepper kind of uh, is the reason college football is around. And he says that, you know, I, I actually invented college football. Um, and, and, and at the end of that, he, he gives uh, the, 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 the guy a high five, and he said, yeah, I invented that too. Well, the one guy standing there, some of you are like totally lost, but that's all right, I'm, I'm having fun. Um, the one guy standing there looks at him, he's like, man, that's a good story. 
And the guy telling the, the, telling the story looks back at him and he's like, it's a great story. Who, who's seen that commercial? Three of us. All right. So, but the, now you're all going to see it because you got, you got to because he tells this story and he tells this with intensity and somebody's reply to this is, oh, it's a good story. No, he, he corrects them and says, no, 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 no. It's a great story. That's the way in which we should approach our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just a good story. It's the best story ever. This is what we have to understand. Is when we look at, 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 at accounts in Scripture like this, and we can glean, we can learn just little truths like what you do matters, and faith influences faith. When we see this, we don't need to leave it here when we're sitting. Because this is the greatest story that's ever been told. And you're a part of it. I'm a part of it. You want to impact the world? You want to do something beyond yourself? Well, it starts with understanding who God is. Remember last week we talked about the way in which you view God uh, determines the way in which you, uh, uh, the way in which you uh, believe in God or, or view him as the way in which you interact with, with, with him. <coughs> this is part of that. This is like, okay, I'm not just going to listen to the bald guy up here who has a nice cool mustache now, right? Somebody said, you look like your dad. Well, duh. Um, I'm bald by choice, though. So, uh, <sighs> shut up, Bobby. I'll make you spin your head around. <laughs> but the faith in which we have, and I kind of got off scroll trail. I'm going to come back now. Uh, the faith in which we have, it, it influences other people's faith. How, is that, how that uh, ties into the, the bald story, I don't know. But the faith in which we have um, influences other people's faith. It's not all about the, the, the extravagant um, game-altering uh, moments or the perceived game-altering moments. Who watched uh, uh, the LSU-Auburn game last night? Okay, I got three of us. All right. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful analogy. So here, here's, here it is. Because we know uh, God loves us because it is college football season. So bear with me. LSU and, and, and Auburn were playing last night. It got down to the last, literally, the last second. The last second of, of the game. Um, LSU is down 13 uh, to 18. LSU has the ball. They're like on the 25 or 30-yard line, something around, around there. So they, they just made a, a, a first down. So they, they, they get uh, the, the, the clock stops. If you know college football, the clock stops on the first down. So they had to hurry up and get back to the line. They had no more timeouts. They had to hurry up and get back to the line. They had to hike the ball to make this next play happen. Well, LSU, they get back to the line, they hike the ball, the quarterback, he rolls out. Beautiful, beautiful thing. And I don't, I'm not an Auburn fan or an LSU fan, so I can care less. I just like a good game. Um, he rolls out and he throws this, this beautiful pass into the end zone where the receiver in the end zone catches this ball and gets his toes. It's kind of like one of those, you know, toes in catches that you're going to see on highlight films forever. One of those catches, and the, everybody goes, all the fans go crazy. They're, 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 uh, they go, rush down. They're piling on top of this guy all, and everything. Then they, they, they pick this guy up on their shoulders, and they're parading him around. No lie. It, it, it happened. And then they show the, the Auburn sidelines and the head coach yelling, review, review, review. Well, they ended up reviewing the play, and it ends up uh, being that the, the snap didn't get off before the, the clock expired, so that last play didn't count. 
So then it's a switch of uh, a reversal of roles. Now Auburn is going, you know, ballistic, going nuts because they just won won the game. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this and and I'm thinking, you know, there are a lot of times that we're distracted in, in life by things that really don't matter. That last play of that game, granted, we can say, well, it really did matter. No, it really didn't because time was up. When time is up, Whatever you do after time is up doesn't matter in the effect of the game. Think about that in lines with your faith. The game is life. This is what we're to do. If we want to understand that faith impacts faith and the influences in which we have with other people, that's what's going on in the game. When the game's over... Man, you can be the best cheerleaders. You can run and jump, and I don't care if you hold Santa Claus up on, on your shoulders. It's not going to make you win the game. What you do during the game truly matters. What you do matters. No matter if it's the smallest thing or if it's the biggest thing. That's why when the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, when you're doing something, do your best whatever it is. Because he tells, he tells uh, Timothy, hey, bring me my coat. Do your best to bring me my coat. I'm cold. I need my coat. Do your best. W- whatever it is that you're doing, do your best because you don't know who's watching you and you don't know what kind of influence is going to have on that person. The ultimate influence what we want to have on people is we want to point them to Jesus. Because like the centurion going to, to, to Christ we need to go to Christ with everything that we're, we encounter. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. God, we love you. Uh, Lord, we ask as we've uh, just opened your word and, and read um, just a, another one of your uh, uh, stories, you know, the accounts, the, these true events that happened. Um, God, that we can, we can learn and we can glean from, from this. God, I, I know that... We, that, that, that um, some of us kind of get uh, all mixed up in all, I got to be a big impact here and big impact there. But what we need to do is we need to focus on the, the small things. Am I being faithful in my, at, my, at my home before I'm being faithful in my community? Am I being faithful in the, the, these things that, that present me every, or presented to me every day in my, my job? God, am I being faithful in the small things? God, let us be faithful in the small things and let us trust you for the big things. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we, we ask as we uh, go from here that we continue to live a life that's worthy of the calling that you've called us to. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.